Hi, my name's Flo and I'm an alcoholic. There's a lot of men in this meeting. I like it. I hang out, I hang out with a lot of ladies. We do women's meetings and stuff like that. And it's like, I like that men to see some men, you know. <laughs> so now I know where to come on uh, Sunday night when I need some men. Um, thank you, Monica, wherever Monica, there you are. Thank you, Monica, for asking me to come down here, share my, my experience, strength, and hope. And thank you for lovely ladies here that came down with me. And we had a wonderful time on the way down. We tried to figure out how to get here without having to pay a toll. And, uh, after about 10 miles of wandering, we said, screw it, get back on the 73. So here we are. Um, March 21st, 1978 is my sobriety date. And that's probably a lot for some of you longer than you've been alive. So, uh, but I wasn't always this age. Uh, <laughs> I was young once, and in my mind, I, I still think I'm young, and then I look in the mirror and I say, oh, my God, it's my mother, you know, and um, so, uh, you know, 45 years of uh, happy, joyous, and free, and trudging the road of happy destiny, and uh, it's not all been uh, <laughs> wonderful, and uh laughter you know there's been a lot there's been tears there's been sadness there's been all sorts of things and that's what happens when you're not taking when you're not drinking or you're not using you know things happen and you feel things and it's not going to kill you you know I was like oh my gosh I'm starting to feel something I better you know get a drink but feelings won't kill you and this too shall pass I used to hate that when I was new and they'd say I tell him this horrific story and they say oh this too shall pass I did not want to hear that and um but uh I have I have a funny story um somebody told the story so I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you a funny alcoholic story uh probably most of you don't remember Phyllis Diller uh okay here's yeah. a here's an old guy that remembers <laughs> um Phyllis Diller, she was a comedian and she was really funny. She always had a cigarette and, and she'd talk about her husband, Fang, and how Fang would do this and Fang would do that. And he was a big drunk. And one night Fang came home like at uh, four o'clock in the morning and she started yelling at him and, and going on and on. And, and all of a sudden he just like threw up. And then he looked down and said, and he, he had thrown up all over the dog. And he looked down and he said, I don't remember eating that. <laughs> I mean, that's something I would do. Um, 
So anyway, you know, I'm not doing that kind of stuff anymore. I can remember what I did yesterday and I, last week and the, and the year before. But um, I uh, was born in Huntington Park, California and uh, to a mom and a dad uh, back when that was normal, you know, have a, have a mommy and a daddy there. And, uh, and now, you know, I don't know where all the dads went, you know, they're all, everybody's raising kids by themselves. But um, I had a brother that was uh, two and a half years older than me. And uh, he, he did everything perfect. I don't know if you had a sibling like that, but they're a pain in the ass, you know. Um, you know, they asked him to do homework and, and uh, he would do homework. They'd ask me to do chores and he'd do chores. What the hell? You know, they asked me and no, I'm, I don't feel like doing it. So I was always that way. You know, you tell me to go right. I'm going to go left. Um, you, uh, you know, I'm a rebel without a cause. And uh, I was just, you know, came out of the shoot that way. And uh, I didn't uh, like what was going on at home. And um, I just did whatever I wanted to do. And I felt like uh, that um, they weren't really my parents. I, you know, I did look like them. But uh, I felt like I was adopted or something. I just didn't feel like I could get in that family. And uh, I was waiting for some UFO. Yeah, but honey, you're going to have that anywhere. And uh, uh, pick me up and take me back to the, you know, the planet I'm from. And on uh, March 21st, 1978, the, the uh, what is it? The who? The UFO came down and picked me up and took me to Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, I feel like I fit here. I never felt like I fit anywhere before. You know, these are my people. They think what I think. Uh, you know, we don't we don't think like those normie people out there. You know, we think different. And here I found, um, you know, I found a family. You guys are a family and um, I feel like I'm home, you know. And if you're new here, I love the newcomers here. Welcome aboard. And my first sponsor used to say, honey, you can take your running shoes off. You don't have to run anymore. Uh, there's no other place to go. You're already here. You know, you're home, you're safe. And we're, we're glad you're here. We welcome you. And, um, you know, they just made me feel a part of right away. And it took, it, you know, to feel comfortable, it took a while, but uh, you're here and we're so glad you're here, you know, and you can have this awesome life that is beyond your wildest drunken dreams, you know, if you stick around here long enough. Thank you. No. Uh, <laughs> that was a good ending. But anyway, I grew up in this family and uh, I was uh, always, I was, I was either scared to death or I was angry, you know, and uh, I never, never knew which one was going to pop up. Uh, I felt like I was emotionally retarded. I, you know, I couldn't control my emotions. And, uh, you know, if you looked at me cross-eyed, I didn't know if I was going to punch you in the nose or start crying. You know, I could not control this. Uh, when I got sober, I did an inventory. And uh, I realized that I only had one emotion and that was fear. 
but I would cover it up with anger because I'd rather you see me angry than see how scared I really am. So, um, but, um, so I always had trouble in school. I never, I always felt less than, I always felt stupider than, uh, uglier than, uh, not as good as, you know, and, uh, and then when I started drinking, things changed all of a sudden. I got it going on here. <laughs> All of a sudden, you know, I can talk to anybody. Uh, I'm not scared. Um, I can uh, dance on the tabletops and entertain and, and all sorts of crazy things. And I loved it. I was able to relax, to breathe, and to have a good time. And all those inhibitions just left. And uh, But then that does get you in a lot of trouble. So uh, <laughs> if you keep it up. But um, I used to have a Volkswagen car when I was uh, 16 and 16 to 19 or whatever. And um, I used to get, you know, it was like uh, the Volkswagen car was like a magnet. You know, I would drive down the street and it would like bump into things, you know, when I was drinking and driving. And uh, then you have to come home and explain to daddy how come the cars dented up and uh he didn't like that very much and uh, got in a lot of trouble, not coming home. He thought I was sleeping around town when, in fact, I was passing out around town and I didn't come home at night. And uh, finally, uh, he kicked me out. I used to hang out with this uh, car club and they liked to drink all the time. And that was wonderful. And they were buying and that was really good and uh, got in a lot of trouble with them. Uh when, one night I was driving home from one of their get-togethers. <laughs> it was a party with like more people. They, you know, if it was under 20, it was just a get-together. So we were all drinking and everything. And uh, I drove home and I drove, uh, I don't know, I threw some signals or whatever that were there. And the cops stopped me and I had to get out of the car and they wanted me to walk a line. Now, I've been at this party and some, for somehow, for some reason, um, the crotch of my pants was ripped out. You know, things happen at those get togethers. And uh, I had, they wanted me to get out and walk this line. And I'm walk, trying to walk this line with my crotch flapping. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, I could, I couldn't, I know it was a sight. And uh, I, I couldn't walk the line. And then they wanted to know where I worked. Uh, they were asking me like really hard questions. And uh, I, couldn't, I couldn't remember where I worked. And, uh, but I'm a good crier. And back then they were a lot nicer than they are now. Uh, so I would cry and, and uh, they gave me a ticket for going through a stop sign, I think, and then followed me home. And, uh, you know, I don't know if they did me a favor or not. Uh, you know, because when we don't get in trouble, we usually don't get here. Uh, but um, so I had things like that happen. But uh, my uh, one night I didn't come home at all. And my dad kicked me out. So I got an apartment and I thought, good. Now, nobody's going to be there and watch me drink. And um, where's the clock in here? Oh. Okay, but I thought I saw a clock somewhere. Maybe it was in my mind. Oh, it's in the kitchen. Good place for it. Um, so anyway, uh, I got in this apartment by myself and I said, good. Now, nobody's going to be here to watch me 
drink and I can drink the way I want to free I'm free you know but the only problem is when nobody is there to watch me I drink in the morning you know the thought came comes to my to drink and once that thought says drink I got a drink you know and uh so that obsession you know I'm powerless over booze way back then and so I would start drinking and you don't go to work you know so um I only kept jobs um, you know, three weeks, three days, three months, not very long. Uh, and then I would think drink and I would never go back to work. But I started working at this uh, trucking company and this guy, uh, he was the terminal manager. He was 15 years older than me and uh, he liked to drink. And so I started dating him. And uh, I don't know how you guys, you ladies dated uh, when you were out there. Uh, but the way uh, we dated was uh, one night he would beat me up and the next night I'd beat him up and we drank and uh, and that's the way we dated, you know, and that was crazy looking back. Um, I didn't have violence in my family. I didn't have uh, alcoholics or addicts in my family, but it just seemed normal and natural to be with this guy, to be drunk all the time and to beat the crap out of each other. Um, I, uh, you know, I would like wait, uh, have to go to work and, uh, I'd have black eyes and they, or, or a sprained elbow and people are nosy. They want to know what happened. You know, I'm, you know, one thing mind their own business. Uh, half the time I didn't even know what happened, but, uh, I had the sprained elbow and the black eyes and yeah, you know, it was, uh, it, it was crazy and you can't tell them the truth. Uh, anybody the truth because they might think something you know uh, is wrong with this person for beating you up but they think something's wrong with you for putting up with it and I I wasn't going anywhere I was staying there and um, ladies I'm happy to report that I got my licks in there too uh, one night we were drinking having a few drinks in the living room and uh, the next thing I know I come out of a blackout and I'm in the closet on top of them trying to, with my hands around his throat, trying to choke him to death. And I don't, I don't know what he did. And you can't stop in the middle of a good choke like that. And, and ask him what he did. You got to act like, you know what he did, you know, and I have no, I have no idea why I'm trying to choke him to death. Um, the thing that made me come out of the, the blackout was I heard something pop in his throat. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, later on, when he could talk, he he said <laughs> he had had a sore throat for a week after that. And I I want to make it permanent, you know. I, um, you know, just crazy. And uh, I don't know why I'm doing the things I'm doing. And another time, you know, we went to like Santa Barbara to have a romantic weekend, and and. Uh, I ended up kicking out one of his teeth. He had other teeth, you know, that wasn't the only one he had, you know, so, um, but uh, I don't know why I'm doing this kind of stuff and it's crazy. And I'm, and I'm with this guy and uh, then, uh, oh, I remember one night we were laying in bed. I don't know what we had been doing, but uh, I remember he didn't have any clothes on and we had this fight and he rips the blanket off of me and he goes look at you who else would have 
have you without your wig and without your false eyelashes? Who else would have you? And ladies, I don't know how you feel about that, but that sounded like a proposal to me. <laughs> so uh, he's, he's probably right. Nobody else would have me. So uh, we went to Las Vegas and uh, got married um, because ladies, you know, when you have a gem like that, all the other women want him, you know, so you got to marry him. And uh, that marriage lasted 10 months. That was my long marriage. Uh, it lasted 10 months. Uh, he got sick and uh, he, um, he, got, uh, he had diabetes. He almost went into a coma. And uh, he came home from the hospital and said, um, I have diabetes. And I said, I know, it's too bad. And he said, I can't drink anymore. And I said, that's really too bad. And he says, I don't want you to drink anymore either. And all of a sudden, this obsession I had for this man was like lifted. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, I left him and I went to dear old mom's house, you know, and uh, God bless those moms, you know, if it wasn't for those moms, we'd probably get sober a lot sooner. Um, but I went over to her house and, uh, you know, she let me hang out and not work. And um, I remember she had the shed out in the back and uh, she would, she's not alcoholic, but she likes a good sale. And she had like these gallon jugs of booze out there. It was awesome. And she had it all locked up. But, you know, if you're alcoholic, you're going to find a way to get in that shed. And I remember one time I got in the shed and I've got this bottle up to my mouth, chug a leg in the gallon. And she walks by the shed and sees me. And Dottie Harris talks about, or used to talk about the look of the non-alcoholic mm -hmm. when they see that kind of behavior, the bewilderment, the frustration, the fear, that look of, oh my God, what are we going to do with you? And, um, it wasn't uh, long after that, uh, the soon-to-be ex-husband came over, and uh, he was telling this guy that uh, he worked with about my drinking. And the guy said, well, at that time I was 24, and the guy said, well, that's kind of young, but why don't you invite her to an AA meeting uh, that he went? He used to be a bad drunk, and uh, now this guy was sober. So uh, the soon-to-be ex-husband came over. And I had one of those hangovers, the kind that where you could just lay there and moan. It hurt so bad. And um, it's a kind of hangover where you're, you're laying on the couch and if you move your eyeballs too fast one way, it, you know, your head feels like it's gonna split open. And uh, he came over and uh, he asked me if I wanted to go to an AA meeting that he had told this guy about me. And, uh, and did I, want to go. And if you ever want to get somebody to go to an AA meeting, ask them when they're sick, sad, and sorry, and hungover, not after they've had some drinks. Uh, because I was sweetly reasonable. I remember one friend, mm -hmm. and uh, we went to that one meeting. And I don't know what you thought about your first AA meeting, but I thought it was so bizarre. We went to this uh, participation meeting and 
and they would talk about God and uh, this life that they found here. And then they'd start cussing. And then they talk about God again. And then they start cussing again. And I thought, this is so weird. But I liked it. You know, they weren't too good. They weren't too bad. And um, uh, all, all, they asked uh, if there was any newcomers. And I remember I stood up and I said my name. And I sat down and he started crying. Uh, at that first meeting, the seed was planted. Um, I drank off and on for two and a half years after that, but the seed was planted. And like it talks about it in the, uh, step one in the 12 and 12. When one alcoholic tells another alcoholic the true nature of their malady, that alcoholic can never be the same again. The seed was planted. So if this is your first time to Alcoholics Anonymous, save yourself a lot of pain and misery and just stay. Nobody gets here by mistake. Believe me. <laughs> uh, and your, your case is not different. Uh, that's another thing. You know, we think we're unique. My, you know, I, well, I didn't do that. Well, I ne never did this. The feelings, the hopelessness, the helplessness, the loneliness. Uh, you know, we all feel the same inside. I've heard a lot of inventories and they're all the same. Nobody feels good enough deep down inside, but we are good enough. And whoever made us thinks we're wonderful just the way we are. We don't have to do anything to get anybody's approval. And uh, that's when I was, when I was new, when I finally surrendered, when I was out of bright ideas when I was hurting like hell, um, I surrendered. And, um, you know, that's when this program works. When you finally say, I need help. Because I never wanted to help anybody help me before. We were just talking about that not long ago. You know, I don't, I don't need any help. You need help. <laughs> and we want to help you. That makes us feel good. That makes us be able to stay sober. You know, uh, um, Alcoholics Anonymous is the unity, service, and recovery. Unity, we can't do this alone. You know, we have to be together. We have to unite to do this thing. And service is to help other people, to give back so freely what was given us. And uh, to be of service, you know, uh, you know, ask somebody how they're doing. You know, uh, give a newcomer a ride, uh, clean up after the meeting. There's a lot of things to be of service. And recovery are those 12 steps. And um, I, without that, I would not be sober. I couldn't stay sober 45 minutes. And to think that I have 45 years is unfriggin' believable. Um, I got a sponsor. And um, uh, when the pupil's ready, the teacher will appear. And I got a sponsor, and she was just what I needed. And uh, she, we would go to meetings together all the time. Uh, she was like a circuit speaker, so we were going here and going there. I could give her, tell her pitch better than she could. Um, and uh, we'd get in the car, and I got to talk about about me, it was great. I would tell her all my problems, what's going on, who's doing what, you know, how they shouldn't, I didn't like that. And I tell her, you know, 
about my past. I would tell her all these things and she would listen. It was awesome. And then after a while, um, I would would tell her about my stuff and she'd say, honey, you got to get your eyes off your belly button. And because it was all about me, me, me. And uh, the alcoholic theme song. Do you guys know what the alcoholic theme song is? It's I, 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 me, 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 I, me, I, me, I, me, me, me. It's all about me, you know? (laughs) And uh, selfish and self-centered, that is the root of all of our problems. I'm always thinking about me, 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 me. And uh, then once in a while I'll say, enough about me. What do you think of me? And, uh, <laughs> but it's all about me. And I got to get my eyes off myself. I have to get my eyes off my belly button and try to help somebody else. And through these steps, that's what happens. We get to turn our eyes outward and try to help our fellow man, you know, and I get excited and happy about when people stay sober and their lives change. And to hear when they give a pitch, you know, you go to participation meetings, hopefully, and, and you hear them pitch, and it's like, oh, my gosh, this program is miraculous. It's full of miracles, you know, and you're here tonight, and if you haven't taken anything that affects you from the neck up, you know, that's a friggin' miracle, and it's one day at a time. We can, we can do anything just one day at a time you know, just for today. Um, I remember some guy was on the plane and it was like uh, in January and the uh, stewardess said, would you like a cocktail? You know, it was an AA. And they said, "Uh, would you like a cocktail? And this is in January. And he says, no, thanks. I have to be home by the 4th of July. And uh, (laughs) it's true, you know, because that's what happens if we take a drink. And I have a honest desire not to drink today and if I ever take a drink again I don't know if I'll ever have that you know this is a gift Uh, I cannot stay sober Uh, I am beyond human aid and I have to find a power greater than myself to keep me sober and that's a, a higher power of your own understanding it's not the religious higher power. It can be anything. It can be your sponsor. It can be the group of, you know, your AA group or or anything, as long as it's not you. Because of myself, I'm nothing. You know, the father doeth the works. And uh, he's done a hell of a job so far. You know, I've had a good life in Alcoholics Anonymous. Um ups and downs, you know, we all go through sad times and happy times and, but we don't have to do it by ourselves. We have this group of drunks that are going to be there with you to go through things with, you know, we don't have to do anything by ourselves. And I never had any friends before I got here. You know, they were just, I couldn't tell them the truth, you know, but I had these ladies in my life and I'm looking for some men, but, uh, (laughs) I have these ladies in my life and I can, uh, and I can be honest and tell them what's really going on. I would never tell anybody anything before, but um, I, I look for, you know, a, a, a boy on uh, AA campus and, um, you know, uh, looking for love and yeah, not 
I thought it was the right place. But, uh, <laughs> um, you know, one, uh, one year I found, it, you know, quite a few that I fell in love with. <laughs> and uh, it wasn't all at once. I, you know, I do have my morals, uh, but they were they were pretty close together. And um, I, you know, uh, I'd be madly in love with one guy one week and then uh, the next week I couldn't stand him. And then I'd be madly in love with another guy the next week and the next week I couldn't stand him. So this went on until I found a newcomer and uh, <laughs> and uh, and convinced him he was in love, and convinced myself I was in love, and uh, I got pregnant. And so uh, we went to Las Vegas and got married. And this uh, that marriage lasted like six weeks. So I'm getting better. I'm getting worse in sobriety because the, the drunken one was 10 months and this was six weeks. And, uh, but, but I believe that alcoholic, alcoholic years are kind of like dog years, you know, and you can pack a lot of living in a short amount of time. So I would, you know, I was with him six weeks and that's equivalent to three years at least, you know. And so um, I left him and I still had to come to these meetings and people, you know, uh, I, my stomach started sticking out and, and I felt like I had this sign on my stomach saying mistake, mistake. And, um, and these ladies would come up to me in the meeting and say, oh, you're pregnant. And I'd say, no, I have cirrhosis of the liver. <laughs> and um, and I thought, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? I never even babysat before, and I'm going to have this kid by myself. And so I asked a, a friend, um, Jim Roberts, uh, on the program. He was a good friend. He was like a brother. And if he would be my Lamas coach. So we went to those classes, and we practiced the breathing and the, and the counting and all that stuff. So uh, the night that... Uh, that my daughter was born. Uh, he was at the hospital and they said that uh, my daughter was uh, breech and that I would uh, have to have a cesarean. But because he was, I don't know why I have to tell you that, but I'm sure you want to know. And because uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's about me. And uh, so anyway, um, uh, so they let him in the operating room because he had take, taken those classes with me. And so um, there were a couple other doctors in there and um, they, they pulled her out like a, like a rabbit, you know, uh, and uh, <laughs> out of my, out of my open wound. And, uh, and uh, they said, congratulations, you have a, a baby girl. And I just started crying and I said, thank you, God, thank you. So I thought for sure he was going to give me a stinky little boy. And I was so happy it was a girl. And um, I remember one of the doctors said, well, don't you think you should thank Dr. So-and-so too? You know, because I was thanking God. And uh, um, my, uh, my Lamaze coach, Jim said, they'll never understand. And I thought, yeah, that's true. But anyway, um, 
that little girl grew up to be wonderful. She's an AA baby. She came to all the meetings with me. We'd all pass her around and rock her. And, uh, and then she got older and I uh, would do her coloring, her coloring book in the meetings. And she could take people's inventories, you know, better than, <laughs> than a lot of us do. Um, because she'd been in the meetings and um, then she got older and start, had was doing her homework in the meetings. And then she got older and didn't want to come anymore. But I remember when she was three years old, she, I picked her up from preschool and she said, Mom, how come God didn't love me enough to give me a dad? And it was like, oh. And I said, well, you can look at it that way or you can look at it. How come God loved you so much? He gave you all these aunts and uncles and grandmas and grandpas and Alcoholics Anonymous. And, uh, you know, she turned out wonderful. Um, and the people of Alcoholics Anonymous suited up and showed up. They were at her recitals, her gradu- graduations, her, her um, graduating from college, her, um, um, when you get married, what's that called? No, before that, whatever. Yeah, they, yeah, that's right. And and uh, they were there for the wedding, and uh, they were there for um, her uh, baby shower. They were there for everything. And uh, you know that's what we do here. We suit up and we show up for each other. And uh, at that wedding, uh, well, when my daughter was. Uh, born and I had postpartum or whatever I was crying a lot and my my mom said why are you crying and I said uh because you're not going to be here when she gets married you know she just been born and I'm crying because my mom's not going to be there and uh, my mom said oh how do you know that you know I'm gonna I'll be there or whatever well she passed away when my daughter was uh six so she wasn't there at the wedding but the wedding was outside and this brother that uh, was perfect, he was, he's the one that married him. And so it was a beautiful thing. And AA people, you know, it was like a hundred, hundred people there. And um, um, when um, they went over to light the unity candle, there was this white butterfly flying around their heads. And then they went over to light the unity candle and the butterfly followed them over to the unity candle and everybody's going look at that butterfly and then when they came back to the to the arbor um uh the the butterfly you know followed them back and uh a, a neighbor that was sitting next to me uh leaned over and said your mother's here and i lost it And then when we went into the reception, everybody was saying, oh, that was uncle so-and-so or, oh, did you see that butterfly? That was, you know, Aunt Petunia or whatever. And uh, (laughs) it's like, no, that was my mother. (laughs) So we were all arguing about that. But look for that kind of stuff. It's all around you. And now you're sober. You can see it. There's, There's so many 
awesome things that you're going to see. And um, there's no mistakes, you know, be aware, you know, um, like, like I live on a, a street and it's uh, on Bingham and Cheryl and somebody po pointed out to me, Hey, you sponsor Beverly Bingham and Cheryl McKee and just weird stuff like that. And then somebody said, uh, look, look at the numbers. There's weird things with numbers. And, um, I thought, oh, I got, I was born December 3rd. That's one, two, three. Oh, I got sober March 21st. That's three, two, one. You know, I don't know. <laughs> but I like that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, my daughter got married and she married a wonderful man. And they lived two miles from me. And I have two grandkids, you know, that, um, you know, I have quality problems. You know, when I got here, I had some crappy problems <laughs> and they were scary problems, but I have quality problems. And the quality of my friends have gotten a lot better. You know, look at these poor beautiful ladies. <laughs> you know, I used to hang around with jerks, you know, <laughs> that uh, didn't treat me well. Um, but I have quality friends today, you know, so everything gets better. Um, what else was I gonna talk about? Oh, oh and, uh, another thing, uh, I remember when my, my granddaughter was, uh, I don't know, she was like five or five or so, and uh, we were driving in the car and she was in the back seat. And, uh, I forget how it started. She said something, she said something about grandma, you know, the one, my mom that had passed away. And uh, she goes, is she in heaven? And I go, yeah, she's up there in heaven. And I go, she goes, what's she doing up there? And I go, so she's just floating around on the clouds. And she said, can she see me? And I go, yeah, she can see you. And she thinks that you're wonderful. You're beautiful, you're smart. And you're a wonderful human being. And she said, can she, could she hear me if I talk to her? I go, yeah. And she goes, Grandma, can you roll down my window? <laughs> so I look in my room. I roll down her window and I look in the rear view mirror. And she's got her head out the window and she's talking to the sky. You know, and that's what we have to have here. We have to have that childlike faith. Not trying to analyze and scrutinize and, you know. BSSIs or whatever, uh, we have to have that childlike faith and just believe because we believe. And believe me, this thing works and it doesn't care who's working it. Because I thought, you know, maybe you guys can stay sober, but I can't because I'm such a bad person and I'm, you know, all these things. And uh, it will work for anybody that works it. You know, that's what's awesome about this thing. Um, I did my inventory and uh, I've done several, you know, you, you can do, you do more than one, you know, and uh, mine was a novel and it took four hours to read it to my sponsor. And she kept on, her phone kept on ringing while I was reading. And uh, she said, uh, I got to answer the phone, but you keep on reading. 
I was like, that's weird. She's supposed to be here listening to my, you know, my, my four step. And then she comes back and then I, you know, read, read, read. And then uh, she had to go to the bathroom. She goes, honey, I gotta go to the bathroom, but keep, keep on reading. And it's like, wow, you know, I could throw anything in here and it would be legal. And uh, she wouldn't, you know, she wouldn't even be here for it, but she was there for the good stuff. And uh, this one thing that happened, and I said, it happened seven years ago. And every time I think about it, my stomach gets into knots. And no wonder, you know, when we have all that stuff inside of us, no wonder we drink again. You know, every time I think about it, my stomach gets in a knot, you know. Um, so she was there and I told her, I go, this happened seven years ago and I've never told anybody and blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. And so I read it to her and she just started laughing. And then I started laughing. I didn't know why I was laughing, but she thought it was funny. And so I laughed. And then all of a sudden, this deep, dark secret I had that I thought was take to the grave. I told this lady, you know, and uh, it was put in the sunlight and it was not a big deal. It's just what alcoholics do. And after that, um, after that inventory, we ripped it up and she put it in her this pot and we burned it. And she said, honey, you know, out of all the pots that I have, this pot makes the best stews. And it, and all the women that come over here, they always do their, their fifth step and we shred it up and burn it in this pot. And this makes the best stews. stews. And I go, wow, I, I didn't know what that meant, but uh, it sounded good. But um, I felt like I was a member of Alcoholics Anonymous. And finally, I was on the inside. And I wasn't on the outside looking in, wish I could belong. You know, I never belonged to anything. I've only, you know, um, I've only had one career in my life. And that was my alcoholic career, uh, you know. So, um, uh, that's what happens when you get old. You forget what you're talking about. And, uh <laughs> And, um, but I felt like it belonged in Alcoholics Anonymous because before that, um, I would try to, I'd always have to go to a meeting with somebody. I was afraid to go by myself. The fear, self-centered, selfish, uh, all self, 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 the fear. I wouldn't go to a meeting by myself. And I remember trying to go one night. I had a few months of sobriety and I would cruise the parking lot trying to get up enough nerve to go into the meeting. And I knew people in the meeting, but I did not, I could not get up enough nerve and I kicked myself in the butt all the way home. But after doing that uh, fifth step, I felt a part of, and I felt like I belonged here and I deserve my seat and you're in my seat now. <laughs> and, um, uh, there's so many awesome things that happen here. You know, uh, the friendships we make in the places we get to go, uh, go, go into different countries and conventions and Hawaii and all sorts of fun stuff. You know, I thought, I thought being sober would be so boring, but it's not, you know, and, um, I still have to go to meetings. People say, why do you have to go to meetings after all these years? Well, why do people keep on going to church after they find whatever they're looking for? You know, I, I, this is my, this is my church and, uh, Alcoholics Anonymous is the food that I need to, uh, survive. 
You know, I need you people. That song of uh, Barbara Streisand. Oh, I'll sing that one. Uh, people who need people. <laughs> people. Yeah. Uh, are the luckiest people in the world. You know, we are so lucky that we need each other, um, you know, and that we don't have to be alone, you know. And um, I'm going to keep coming back because the best is yet to come. Thank you.